you are ready to take the hard road. The road less travelled. The path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigour. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. And today we have an excellent guest for you, Phil Baraboo. He is the director for the film Charge, which if you haven't checked it out yet, I would highly recommend you do a little Google search into your computer and just put in Charge, and you will see what comes up is the film, which is about a man, Eduardo Garcia. And I don't know how many spoilers I should be giving away or if I should just tell people, listen, if you haven't seen it yet, don't listen to this episode because I don't want to ruin this film for you because there's a lot of... uh, surprises in it that you will not see coming and um there's a lot of complexity to the story so if possible stop this episode right now go out there try to watch the film somehow beg borrow or steal uh but i'd highly recommend doing that i guess before you listen to this podcast because i'm probably going to drop some spoilers in here sorry that's a long intro but welcome phil yeah thank you i appreciate it yeah as I got going in that, I was like, you know what? How am I going to talk about this film without spoiling it a little bit? And I'm like, I don't think I can. I think just keep it open. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. So first thing I want to talk about is how, how did this project land on your desk? Yeah. Well, it, it started with, I mean, really it was about eight, nine years ago. Eduardo and his former partner, Jennifer Jane, um, they had an idea to do an outdoor adventure cooking show. Um, we all live in Bozeman, Montana here. And Ed's a chef by trade, and he's also just an outdoorsman, a hunter, fisher, surfer, all these different things. And so they wanted to combine those two. And so we worked um, six months to a year on this trailer, and literally, was just about to sign the papers with Food Network to sell the TV show is when he was injured. And it was at that time that Jen not only came back to Salt Lake City to take care of Ed in ICU, he was there for 50 days, um, but she also had a camera and filmed almost the entire thing. So everything you see in the film that's at the hospital was all shot by Jen. It's all very emotional it's really raw personal um i think that's what's one of the rare things about this film and compared to other survival stories is we have that intimate footage that you don't really see very often so and then from there um to drop one spot spoiler uh they find out in the hospital that eduardo has testicular cancer through this whole injury and he has to go back to montana for chemotherapy And that's when I started picking up these different stages. Um, And during his chemotherapy, he was shed hunting. uh, He was learning to fly fish. He was learning to cook again. And so Jen and I just started filming these stages of him getting back to life. But we didn't know what it was for. We we thought maybe as a TV show, we'll use it. They want to do a backstory. So they were going to want this. Or maybe there'll be a documentary. and so that's really how it all got started. So it's been 
many years in the making. Um, and it wasn't until about three years ago is when we stopped and we were like, hey guys, we got this archive of footage. This story I can see is a bigger story than just a survival deal. And, and let's, let's look at our options of maybe doing a film. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting because you you look at the story and it's like it's not just this survival story of for those who don't know Ed was basically electrocuted uh and lost his left arm from I guess they call it a lower amputee. Yep, just below the elbow just below the elbow and basically was clinging to life uh, makes it through that only to find out he has t t testicular cancer which to me I was just like whoa like can you I can't like worst day of my life you should just survive being like you lose a hand covered in these terrible third degree burns and now you can find out you're gonna have to lose I don't know if he lost one or both I guess you guys didn't really go into that but you're losing something yeah, he, he did lose one, um, and he did find out just recently that um, there's a very good chance he will be able to have kids, so that's like a, a new good surprise he's found out in the last year, I think. That's, so. that's, that's a super good surprise. He got the count on the boys that's, up, I'm guessing. To make yeah, because they said he wouldn't be able to, so this is definitely like a great surprise for him. Oh, my gosh. It's the hits. Just kept. I mean, I was watching this like, wow. You do not see a lot of stories where like, all right, they're getting over that first big hurdle or just crossing it, and all of a sudden it's like, a, they get hit by a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, when when you were looking at this story developing, when were you like, hey, I think we got. I think I. I want to do this documentary. I think this is something I can take up and really turn into a great film. Yeah, I mean, not to get into a long story, but it, I wouldn't say it was just me. It was um, we just came off another film. So in between all of this, uh, I directed my first documentary. It's called Unbranded, and um, that's we about got, cows, right? Uh, it's about wild horses. Wild it's horses? a group. Of or four Texan cowboys just graduated from Texas A&M and they adopt a dozen wild Mustangs, train them and ride them from Mexico to Canada. Um, actually, Ed joined us for a little section in Montana for that ride. Oh, no way. I'm going to have to, I've seen the trailer for that film. I'm going to have to check that out. Now. Yeah, you should definitely see it. It's on, it's on Netflix for anybody that wants to see it. It's a wild, it's an epic journey. Um, but anyways, the only reason I bring that up is when we got done with that, we had a, a really incredible team all based here in, in Montana. And we had the office, we have the gear, we have the people. Um, and this is when I went to Ed, it's like, hey, let's revisit all this footage. Um, we have everything in place to just like, let's pick this up, like now is the time. And you would think that like, oh great, we just started it, kicked it off and he was excited. And, and he was, but between Ed and Jen, it took about six months to a year to convince him to do this. Really? Um, yeah, someone told him, 
if you're going to do this, you have one chance to tell this story. And I think planting that seed was, he was not only protective over that, but he was also guarded on his story of just like, was he ready to be vulnerable? Was he ready? You know, like during chemotherapy, he basically hid out in his house and hid in the woods. Um, and he wasn't ready to expose that part of his life. And when we were also in those discussions, you know, there was, there was a People Magazine write-up. There was also some other just short stories on his injury. And they were very much just the survival aspect. And I mentioned if we're going to do a film, like a feature film, we need to do it all. I knew about his history with his relationship, um, which you'll see is very messy, like all of us have. Um, also some just issues from the, the past with drugs and alcohol and all these things. And, and I said, if we're going to do this, we have to tell it all because this injury really, it isn't, yeah, he recovers physically, but one of the biggest battles you'll see in this film is, is the emotional of becoming a different person, of becoming a better person, an honest person. And it, it took him a long time to, to trust us, to be able to expose those parts and in the end, it's not going to make him look like a better guy. It's going to make him look like a real person. You know, it's it's really interesting how you touch on the vulnerability part of that because I was thinking as you watch it, you almost see him becoming more vulnerable as he goes, like becoming more comfortable with yeah. not just, you know, what he's overcoming physically – but what he's going through mental, mentally and emotionally as a person. Yeah. And in the beginning watching it, I would have thought I would categorize this as a love story or as a survival story. But what I've really realized it is, upon reflection, is a coming-of-age story, which is something you see usually, you know, if you're going to go sit down in a movie theater, someone's coming-of-age, like, as a teenager or in their early 20s. But these mm -hmm. days, I think it's much more relatable, especially for someone myself, uh, that you're coming to age in your late 20s, early 30s, oh. is when you're really figuring out, like, all right, I'm going to go from being kind of a selfish douche to yes. become the man I've always really wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And... The other thing I found really interesting is the relationship between Eduardo and his dad. Yeah. Because there's something about getting old, and I don't know what it is, but it seems to impart some kind of wisdom when, you, when you're looking back at your life and you're able to tell people, like, hey, I've, I've seen my own faults. Here's, you know, a little advice. Because in the conversations they have, you see a lot of how Eduardo's dad has really come of age later in life. Yes. Well, that was that was a surprise element. Um, as we we're starting to interview his mom, his dad, his family to learn his past. I knew his dad left him when he was young. So when he was his dad is from Mexico. His dad left him him and his twin brother when they were three months old. Um, and later returns when he's 15 and that all, all of this is, is in the film, but he wasn't the greatest dad. Um, Ed and his dad have a lot of things in common, which, which you'll see. Um, they're very adventurous people. He's basically the, 
jungle version of Ed being this mountain man. Yeah, the beach um, boy. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And he he lived his life for for him, and uh, and it's really not until today or within the last five years he's kind of at the the last chapter in his life. Um, he has dialysis four times a week, um, and it's now that he's realizing all these mistakes of his past and his family is being brought together right now as, as Ed was through this injury right now in his young thirties. So there's a lot of parallels between him and his dad and, and something that I found really interesting, um, is how Ed is forgiveness is another big theme in this and how Ed, even though his dad came back and wasn't the greatest dad when he was 15, he forgave him right then and didn't hold that that grudge. And it's it's crazy the relationship. Like him and his dad are one of the closest father and son relationships I know, despite all the, the rocky past. And it seems like one of the hardest things Ed has time with is forgiving himself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of more of a subtle key to the film is Ed seems to kind of harbor a little or not a little, I guess, I think a lot of weight over everything that he did previously, you know, pre-accident. And not just that, but the amount he has to lean on people during the accident. And, you know, sometimes yes. I think you have to forgive yourself and, and just kind of be vulnerable and let go of that armor a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he still is. He's still struggling with that. Well, you he, know him on a much more personal level. Than, yeah. so, you know, I just me as an onlooker, it's one of those mm-hmm. things that definitely gets conveyed in the screen. Yeah. No, you'll have to uh, you'll have to ask him about that when you when you talk with him. I definitely will. I sure will. <laughs> and you're gonna help me get him on here, so those you listening will. can look forward to that coming up. But one thing I want to ask you about is what did, how did this affect you yourself making this film? Has it changed you in any way or made you re- rethink anything in your life personally? Um, I would say the biggest is relationships. Um, just, you know, I think what we've noticed in showing this in different festivals, people relate to different aspects. Like you mentioned, I have similarities in, within my relationships in the past, um, or whether it's with your siblings or parents or just, or, or injuries or whatever. And for me, it's just, I think it's seeing all the things that can be thrown at you, all the challenges, even though not many people can relate to an injury, like getting shocked with 2,400 volts and losing your arm on top testicular cancer. But it shows you what, like, he gets all these challenges in, in what you can do just staying positive of, you know, I've got, I, I get bogged down with little issues with work or just little issues or whatever and just stop to think like, it's really not that big a deal. Like just being positive and looking to the bright side of things and, and the other way is, is the only way to get through it. And I think Eduardo's story is the extreme end of that. And he, you know, it's not to say he doesn't have down days or he didn't through all that stuff. And maybe we don't have a lot of footage of, of the really hard times he was having. But I would say in general, he, he was extremely positive and that's what got him through it. Yeah. 
Uh, when he gets out of the hospital and he's just happy to be alive, especially with the amount of you see really successful, I guess recently it was Chris Cornell and then Chester from Lincoln Park committing suicide. And then you yeah. have this stark contrast of Eduardo who was basically living, you know, a great adventurous life to get it's literally struck down in his prime, you know, lose an arm, lose a testicle, you know, and have cancer and not know is if that will be, you know, his final curtain call to still just be out there and smiling, saying, I'm just glad I'm alive. You yeah. Know? I'd say the big, one of the biggest moments I saw was when he came back to Montana for chemotherapy and, he didn't even tell me at first. I mean, his head was shaved, but I just, I didn't know everything he had gone through in Salt Lake City in the ICU, if that had something to deal with that. And we went out shed hunting and I was filming a little, but I was, I would go out with him just for, just for fun as a buddy also. And he told me on the drive out that he was going through chemotherapy. And that day, I've never seen someone so happy to just be hiking and just being out there, even though he was struggling. And most people would just be on the couch, you know, feeling ill, which he was feeling like crap. But he was getting out there and just never seen someone have so much appreciation for being alive like those days during during the shed hunting, even though he was going through chemotherapy. But it was probably he just came off of many incidents where he thought he was going to die. And now he's back in his backyard hiking in the mountains. So to get that opportunity to do that again so you've obviously spent a great deal of time in the outdoors with a lot of different people would you mm -hmm. say you've witnessed like a healing or some sort of uplifting quality to being outside oh 100 percent. yeah and that is probably one of the biggest healers for him was just getting outside it's it's really interesting to me how the way the film is shot that I actually think Ed's expressions convey a lot more about what's going on inside of him than actually what he's saying. I think mm -hmm. he's, you know, much more physically expressive than say uh, with words. And you could see a lot of time, I think the pain or frustration or, you know, just a little bit of despair on his face, especially in the scene where he's pulling out the hair and yeah. he's kind of like, you know, laughing about it. But you could tell it's like one of those, like, you ever see a clown laugh? Like, it's kind of, I thought I'll never, I've never showed, I've never seen cancer shown this way. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever forget that scene. Yeah. And, you know, you can see that emotion and then the most the moments when he's out there like you say that shed scene that hiking uh or the scene of when he's just fishing or building a bridge to cross a stream there's mm -hmm. you know there was that those looks on his face of just you know thank god i'm alive thank god i'm out here doing this this is you know it just letting go almost of all the burden he's carrying around momentarily mm -hmm. yeah I'd agree with that. He has a lot. He's, you can tell he's internally battling many things too. 
Yeah. Yeah. What what's it what was it like or what is it like being his friend and going through all this and making this film with him? Is it was there ever any nights you were sleeping up like, man, this I don't know if I'll make another film like this again. Yeah, I would say it was it was extremely challenging. Um to not only dive into I, I come from outdoor adventure filmmaking type of stuff. And even though you do dive into people's lives or characters, it wasn't like this, like this was super personal. This was trying to pry things open that they didn't necessarily want to talk about, not just Ed, but Jen and his family. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely more challenging than Unbranded, which was maybe more physically challenging. This one was, and, and Ed and, Jen and his family are also all personal friends of mine. So there was times I knew I was going a little far maybe and not just being selfish. Oh, we need this for the film. But I knew in the end it would be better for the story and it would explain, I don't know, just for people to relate to it a little more. And I think we did go through some challenging times where he didn't want us filming, you know, like, when Jen moves out in the end, do you think that's something, you know, when I was like, Oh, I heard Jen's moving out tomorrow. Can I, can I be there for that? And <laughs> what's it like? What's it, all right. So, yeah. You know, so so I was like, watching that and I think everyone has been on both sides. Almost everyone's been on both sides of that situation and it's a relationship where, and I didn't know if, if he was going to come on and I don't know if when I, I talk to him, I'll bring it up or how I'll, I'll broach this subject. But I, having personally experienced it, you're sitting in a house and it's gotta be awkward leading up to it where you, there's, there's a, there's a time when you realize that person's got to go or I got to go. Or mm -hmm. there's a time where you realize, you know, if you're Jen, I need to leave you. You're not growing. We're not yeah. growing together. Or, you know, this the sun is set on this moment. And it's really awkward when you both realized it, but neither one of you wants to fully admit that, you know, it's time to tear the Band-Aid off. Yeah. What, what, was, what, what is that like then saying, all right, not only am I going to take this, one of the super most awkward moments you're going through in life where you're really going to try to put on like a happy face, well, part of you is somewhat going to be relieved, but you don't want to show that either because the other person's sitting there looking at you. And now this guy's coming over and wants to film me do all this. Yeah. No, those moments he was not psyched about at all. But he would stop me like, I know, I said, I trust you. And if you really want to, if you really feel like this is necessary to the story, then, then fine. But you could tell I got over there. Them two were quiet. They weren't talking to each other. And I will give them credit to, there's a lot of these scenes where in the beginning, you know, I, I mic them up and they know I'm there and I start filming, but it's crazy within 10 minutes of filming, I turn into a fly on the wall. I can tell the switch where they're just doing their thing. And I think it's one of the good parts of doing it by yourself of not having like a whole crew of not having like an audio guy and a PA there or whatever. Some of these scenes, the best ones, you do by yourself and you all of a sudden you blend into the background. And I think that's what happened when they were moving out. I was convinced there's no way this scene's going to make the movie. Like they're not even talking to each other. There's no emotion. 
And then as you'll see, the, their cat, which is kind of like one of the last emotional ties between them two, yeah. um, jumps in the trailer, and that triggers Ed to get emotional and basically says his goodbyes through this cat. Um, yeah, not to give spoilers, but, but <laughs> I was like, when that was happening, you know, you can't set those things up. And I was like, there it is. Like, this is definitely going in the movie. So, okay. and you know what? That's not something you're going to see in like a big Hollywood rom com. It was too awkward and uncomfortable yeah. to watch. It too, it's too realistic, you know? I was yeah. awkward and uncomfortable watching it, knowing what that feels like to be in that situation and being the guy who makes like the, the, the icebreaker joke just to be like, I can't live in this fog anymore. We got to, you know, let's just talk a little bit. You know, and I was, it, it was a tough scene, man. I give you a lot yeah. of credit for getting that scene because, like you say, you're going to get one chance to tell this story, and I don't know how you would have uh, sewn up the relationship aspect of the film without that scene. I agree. I was, I mean, six months before, I was definitely hoping, I mean, not just for the movie, but also for them. Just like you said, they hit a point where it wasn't going anywhere, it, something had to change. Someone had to pull the Band-Aid off. And I can't deny that I would pry that issue in interviews of like, so you any plans of moving out? What are you two doing next? And it's like they're on autopilot and they're dependent on each other. Oh, and, highly. Yeah. And you could see Jen in that last year, especially when she starts doing her comedy, she starts getting her own crew of friends that she started getting her independence back. And that's what was really cool to see. And you could tell it was just, she was ready. It was her time to get on her own. And I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of her for, for making that step. And it's like, you know, a week later, them two are happier and they're still seeing each other every single day at work. And it was like, they probably were wondering why didn't they do it years ago? But for everything they were, they've been through, it was probably a super difficult thing to, to do. Yeah, and, it, and even without that, I think we all know what it's like staying in a relationship longer than you need to. Yes. Or should. And yeah. it's tough, man. It feels great when you're, you know, like the 10 seconds after that person's pulled out of the driveway, you're like a big sigh of relief. But, oh, the anxiety leading up to those moments is, I don't even know how to describe it. Just, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. That anxiousness is terrible. Yeah, and a lot of people have gone through that. Oh, yeah, I think I would say the majority has, has probably experienced that awkwardness, uh, you know, and been on either end of that yeah. relationship. Do you have any filmmakers you personally look up to that inspire you? Um, I mean, one I would say for this, when we were looking into the – uh, into other survival stories or kind of basing it off of. And one was called The Crash Reel. And Lucy Walker directed that. And it's another survival story on a snowboarder who has a brain injury. Yeah. And just, it's, you know, his struggle with trying to um, become a professional again and, you know, dealing with this brain injury. But it really dove into, like, the family. 
and the community around him and all that, not just the snowboarding element. And that's where I knew like Ed had such a, has such a rich family and just like, you know, I just knew as being his friend that like we have to tap into that. Oh man. It's funny. You mentioned crash reel. I, that's probably, that's a fantastic film. It is. Oh, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm going to hold myself back from going off on any tangents about that. <laughs> so yeah. speaking, actually we can, we can talk a little bit about that and parlay it into this. Now there's a lot of scenes there. Difficult scenes. I think is some of them is between, and I forget his name. It's temporarily now, but the main character of crash reel, like you say, the snowboarder goes through the accident, has to talk to his brother the yeah. who has is I don't know if they call it mentally challenged now I'm not sure yeah that what it would be so there's some really vulnerable scenes there what's it like when you have to sit with Ed and his dad not obviously he's not mentally challenged but you could tell you you do you speak Spanish no so he's speaking Spanish and saying some yeah. really like kind of powerful stuff to Ed, really kind of unburying himself to Ed. Yes. Now, could you tell what was going on in those moments, or you're just like, I'm filming this and I'll translate it later. I know something big is going on. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, they there was two moments when they were they're in the car overlooking like the town on that bluff, and that was definitely a time you could tell Ed was struggling that was before um or i don't remember actually relation in time when jen moved out but he was still that's when he was battling a lot of the emotional things and uh yeah i didn't have any clue what ed was saying and yeah just knew once we got back to the editing room and got it translated we'd figure it out but i knew you could tell his dad was giving him advice and he's struggling with something but um, there was two scenes. One actually didn't make the film, and they're fishing. Um, the fishing scene is in there with him and his dad. And as they're leaving, George Potter and I, the other shooter, you know, they're a few hundred yards out, and we're just filming them leaving. And I can hear through, you know, we got uh, just through his wireless mic, I can hear that he's crying, and his dad's talking to him. I have no clue, but I can tell he's like, Ed's really breaking down and I asked him later just like what happened on that hike out and his dad's basically came to peace with dying and is saying to him right there at the river of like every time you come to this river think of me every time you see the sun in this this place think of me and he's basically confessing he's ready to to pass on to to Ed at that point and we actually had that in one of our rough cuts early on and we took it out because so many people at the end, we're like, not disappointed, but, oh, I thought Manuel was going to die. You know, like, you're leading us to that he's going to die by the end of the movie. And it really kind of trailed it off from Ed's story that we had to pull back a little bit. And, and yeah, that seemed yeah. a little too much. But to answer a long-winded question, to answer that of, like, wow, I knew they were talking about something emotional, but I didn't realize it was just, like, that moment where his dad's confessing to his son that he's 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 ready to go, he's at peace. Yeah, I and you know what? It's almost that the expectation of the outcome would ruin it that in that way. Right. So what is the feedback you receive from most people who have seen the film? Um, I mean, first 
is just like inspirational. I mean, that's easy to, to say, I guess. Um, a lot of festivals we're going to right now, I, I would say this year, a lot of the topics are social kind of world issue, save the world type of political films, and which, which are great, but not always the happiest or you leave feeling like what's happening with our world. And people come out of this of like, wow, it's so amazing to just walk out of something and feel inspired or to look at my life and realize it's not, everything isn't as bad as I thought. And um, yeah, and just all the different ways people are associating their lives into this story, whether it's um, caretakers that have, that are going to Jen and saying like, wow, you're, you're the hero of this story. Like you coming back to Ed and taking care of him for everything he did. Um, like you're the hero and just like spending time with her or different people coming to talk to Ed. It's, it's, it's really been, I would say most rewarding to see that it's like almost 50, 50 of people that are relating to Jen just as much as Ed and, and the love story in general, because I feel like we were taking somewhat of a chance when we approach Ed and Jen saying, you know, what, what is this story? Yeah, it's a survival story, but one of the main things we see it is it's a love story and will you let us tell that? And they weren't, maybe Ed wasn't that happy about that in the first place, but I think he completely has come around and realizes the, the power of that now. And, and celebrating them as friends. And in the end, people don't always get together. Movies, especially dramatic features, always have the, you know, the mushy ending with them getting married or whatever, mm -hmm. but this is the opposite. And, but celebrates it in a different way, how just people can be friends and what you do for someone if you care for them. And, and I would say it's more of a modern love story because I think mm -hmm. a lot more relationships end that way than end in marriage, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if you only get married once, you're going to have a lot more relationships that end as, oh, we're going to be friends then, yeah. then don't. Exactly. So where will this film, will this film be available on Netflix like Unbranded, or are you going to put it up somewhere else for people to see, or is it going to be a way for more people to see it? Yeah, good, good question. Um, we're working with a distributor right now. We actually have a call this afternoon. I hope it's Netflix because um, I have Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't say who it is quite yet because it's not official, but it's it's a um, a distributor that will. The plan is to to release by either November, December, um, and we'll get it up. First thing will be on iTunes, Amazon, basically all the video on demand right. platforms. And then they will try to make a Netflix deal, um, you know, maybe just network, things like that. But those, none of those are guaranteed until. But definitely we'll have a video on demand release, um, November, December, along with DVDs, Blu-rays. Uh, if anyone wants to follow, we're going to do a theatrical around the country, maybe a 50-city tour between now oh, and then. Really? And so if you get on, our Facebook is just Charge Film. Uh, website is chargefilm.com. And we're going to give constant updates where where we're going to be playing throughout the country. Um, and then when the actual release is. So, so this, this fall, it's going to be out. 
This is kind of a selfish question. Will you guys be coming to the Northeast at all? Do you have any plans uh, of that yet? Uh, not, not yet. I mean, but we plan on hitting like basically all corners of the country. Let me, I'll see. I can't actually connect you with anyone, but there is a theater up in uh, Lake Placid, which is where the 1980 Olympics were held, you know, the Miracle on Ice. And they actually showed the film Maru before. I don't know if you saw yep. that at all. So, Absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that's a big mountain town. So, I mean, obviously it's not New York City or any super uh, populated area, but yeah. there's a lot of people there for Maru, so you never know. That's awesome. Big. Well, one of the um, we may do for for our theatrical is like kind of a crowd based. We did with Unbranded as well, where people could host screenings. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted in your town through this platform, you basically set it up with a theater, and you're kind of like the captain for that screening. Gotcha. And so in your town, you'll help like do all the PR for it and different things like that. So. If you want to screen it, there. You know what? I may, I may have to have to see what I can do. I actually have a sit down Thursday with some of the these guys who are very involved in the local fly fishing scene. So I think they might find this. You know, a lot of outdoorsmen out here, that's for sure. That might be interested in seeing this story. And that's the other thing about the healing properties of the outdoors. It's it really shown through in this film. You know, it could always use more hunting or fishing shots as far as I'm concerned. But I understand not everyone's going to want to see that. But there, there's just something beautiful about capturing it on film. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to check this out, like you say, and they want to host it, they can hit you guys up at chargefilm.com or say somebody else is listening to this right now and they're like, you know what? I, I want to I want to get this film to where I'm at. How where would they go? Yeah, right now, just go to our website. You can email us or go to Facebook, Charge Film, um, and message us on there. And we're starting to just people have already reached out. We've already got probably a dozen names of people that want to host screen. So um, we'll just keep in keep in touch and work it out from there. Right. But bringing up when you said you want to see more hunting and fishing. On top of the film, um, this isn't related to to me because we were working on charge. But as we we're editing in those later stages, uh, Eduardo was working with Yeti on a on a series going back to the original concept of cooking and hunting in the outdoors and all the stuff. Um, they basically they came up with a short form, I think five to ten minute. I think there's six episodes called The Hungry Life. And they're going to be hosted on Yeti. I think it's going to be available in August. Um, yeah, so keep a lookout. That is strictly like he goes all over. He goes to Hawaii, um, hunts with Shane Dorian, and um, cooks up an amazing meal there. And there's one in Montana, Texas, kind of all over. That's fantastic. And yeah. that I think we need more content showing it showing hunting and fishing in that light more now than ever yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome well phil thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it i hope everyone listening has enjoyed this conversation phil one more time where can they check everything out 
Everything is on our website, chargefilm.com, and Facebook is chargefilm. All right. Well, I hope we didn't spoil this too much for anybody. But but even so, even if you heard everything going on in the film, it I really can't do it justice. I, I can't recommend checking this out enough, especially if you love complex stories with really genuine and brilliant people. Head on over, chargefilm.com. Check it out. For the adventurous gentleman, I'm your host, Will Bradley. Have a great day. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share.